You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. I want to talk to you about Joseph just a few minutes, and I'm going to run through this because I want to get you out of here uh, fairly quickly here. Uh, so I want to take you back into uh, chapter 37. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to read along with me. There are black Bibles in the back that are the same version that I am reading from, the ESV, and you could run back there and grab one if you want to. Um, and you're welcome to just listen this morning as well. But I would like to read a few verses from uh, Genesis chapter 37. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpha his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully with him. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. I want to talk to you about our heart today. I want to talk to us for just a few minutes about motive and about the intent and the things that drive us and the things that that draw us into doing the things we do and the choices that we make. So I'm going to take this young lad, Joseph, and talk to him about him for just a few minutes with you and, uh, and try to pull some things out of here. And there's about three things that I want you to take home with you today from this. And I want you to be able to apply this in your career, all right? I want you to be able to look at this in light of your profession, where you work, the workplace you're in, the people you're relating to. A lot of you here today, you're not yet in the workforce in your chosen field or career. You're in uh, school, you're going to class, you're studying hard, and you're probably working a part-time job so you've got some spending money, but you're looking at that job and saying, this is a dead-end street and this is not what I'm going to do and I can't wait to get out of here and those kinds of things. We've all been in that place at one time or another. But I would like to believe that you and I both can approach every place that God places us with an understanding that there is some purpose here 
And there is something that God can do through me if my heart is right. And that's the key, isn't it? It's, a, it's really, it comes down to being a heart issue. When adversity comes and circumstances are difficult and situations are hard for me, or there are things I don't like about the situation I am in, it ultimately comes down to what is the condition of my own heart. And am I willing to submit to God and obey Him and let Him do what He wants to do through me as His servant? You'll recall, if we talked about it very early on in this series, I, I just mentioned at the beginning that, that God did an amazing thing. He, he called Abraham out. And when He called Abraham out, He gave Abraham some really core promises, all right? The first promise that he gave to Abraham was that that God would multiply his descendants and make them into a great nation. The second thing he said was that he would bless him. He would bless Abraham. And and he would do this in many ways. The third thing that God said was that that he would make Abraham's name great, meaning that Abraham would be worthy of his renown. He would... He would have a name that was a household name and he would actually have the integrity of that name being abundantly uh, mentioned uh, by people. And the fourth thing is this, is that Abraham would be a blessing, all right? That he would, he would be a blessing to others. But that last promise pertains not just to Abraham in real time, but Abraham in future time and generationally. So that those in the generations of the life and the family, the lineage of Abraham, they would be a part of fulfilling this promise that God makes to Abraham. All right? And so there would be many people that would be blessed as a result of the seed of Abraham, if you will, or the sons and the families of Abraham. And so God would do this great blessing. And so when we trace this and we look at this and we we go through the scriptures and we find ourselves in this story of Joseph here, then what we see is that Joseph is really, he is a, a, a most direct fulfillment of this promise in that he was capable of managing things in such a way in the latter part of his work life, his professional life, if you will, that he was able to be God's instrument to literally save the lives of a nation of people. And as we talked about before, this was not something that Joseph went after. This isn't something that he filled out an application for. This isn't something that he said, okay, I'm going to get on a career path and this is what I'm going to do. Now, I realize that to do that, I'm going to have to let myself be sold into slavery. I'm going to have to deal with sexual harassment on the job and run away from this wicked woman. I'm going to have to do all these things in order, in order to... I'm going to have to go to prison and be in prison. I'm going to have to be overlooked by people. But, it, but it's going to get me to where I need to go. And so I'm prepared to do that and I'm going to do it at all costs. No, he didn't. He did not do that. He lived out the integrity of his life in God as he went forward. Does, does that mean he didn't have challenges? No, he had a lot of challenges. And I think we see, we see some insight into his challenges. We all have them. How many of you have had done a, a job, uh, uh, an annual review on your job? And you know, they give you, they give you the, the sheet to fill out. I hate that when you get the sheet and you have to go fill it out ahead of time. You, know, and you have to think about it. And invariably, you know what's going to be at the bottom of, of, of the, the paper. It's going to be this little blurb and it says, 
please identify your three main strengths. I just don't like doing that. But even worse, then it says, now please identify your three main uh, challenges or opportunities. They'll use different words. Okay. In other words, where, where do you really stink? You know? Because that's what they're going to focus on. And then how, how are we going to help you in that particular area? And, and I think we see some seeds of the stinky side of this wonderful man, Joseph, early on. And that is that he got some promises and started to dream some dreams. But his immaturity and his, his naivety all worked against him. And he was misinterpreted at best. But it also kind of almost seems like he might have enjoyed telling this stuff, you know? He just might have got a real kick out of saying, guess what? You're going to bow down to me. And so we see how even early on our hearts can get really skewed, can't they? And let's try to learn something from Joseph right here, right now, to, to help us so that when we are on the job that we are living out of a pure heart, a heart that's, that, that's rightly settled with God. And we're not after these ulterior motives or, 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 or being sort of tantalized by these, these dreams and these visions that we might have. But rather that, that we are saying, hey, God has a plan and I want to be on that plan. And I, I want to be on track. I want to be in step. I want to be in key, in sync with God and what He is doing. And I don't want to have to go through a lot of adversity, hopefully, to, to learn what I need to learn and, and be shifted or be chiseled out to be more like Jesus. And I want to tell you people who are in your college years and in your formidable years that this is a powerful thing for you to learn now. Folks, Humble yourself before God and let God do what He wants to do in shaping you and forming you. Live according to God's plan, not your own. Live according to what God would want to do, not what you think you should do. Because there's a world out there uh, called success. And that world of success is going to tell you what to do. And it's going to tell you to, to, to go after your dream, go after your vision, go as hard as you can, and run over everybody you have to to get there. And don't look back and don't worry. And don't apologize for what you have to do to get there. Just get there. And that's such a, a lie from the pit of hell. Because there's a, way that, yeah, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in that is death and destruction. But there is a way that is in God, and it just doesn't fit the world, folks. It, it's just not God's... The world and God clash, if you haven't already figured that out. And so when you try to get in that world, and you work in the world system to go after your career, if you are godly and righteous going into that, you're going to clash. Can you work in that world? Yes, you can. Because God's called us to be light in the darkness. And he can, he can put us in that world and let us stand out and shine unbelievably. And He'll take you through adversities and difficult situations in order to show the world that this holy God can come in and undergird His people and give them success and, and help them and empower them to live righteously and holy among a dark and destitute world. 
He'll use you for His glory. And He'll use you to benefit others and serve others and, and, and be broken before others and humble before others. The world will tell you, no, puff it up, suck it up, be what you can be, be as strong as you can be. Don't let anybody know that you're weak. And I'm telling you that God has a different way for us to go. Joseph stood up. He believed God had destined him for greatness. We see it here in this passage. He's excited about these dreams. He's excited about, about the promises that he believes in his heart that he is getting for himself. And he, he just wants to share them. Well, sort of just want to share them. These are his brothers. And he's the baby boy who's favored by dad. And dad loves him special above all others to the point the Bible even points that out. There's probably some animosity. There's probably some jealousy. There's probably some contention. There's probably some conflict. There's probably some competitiveness that's going on here. Folks, you're going to get all of that kind of stuff in the workplace. It's going to come at you both barrels. How are you going to handle that? Don't mess with me. I'm the mighty Christian. My God will take you down. He claws out his enemy's eyes. Well, that's what David said to do. God, blind my enemies. Wreck them. Wreak havoc on them. You can't go in the workplace and do that kind of stuff. Not and survive. But I'm telling you what. You can go. I believe this. You can go in the most adverse and difficult situations and you can shine because it is not you, but it is Christ in you. When it's no longer my heart that is at work, but it is God's heart in me. I do well. But when old Bill rises up and wants to just be Bill and wants to get his way, it's devastating for Bill and a whole lot of other people. And I want you to grab a hold of your dream. I want you to be like Joseph, but not like Joseph. I want you to understand that this dream you've got, this passion that is inside of you, it is from God. God gave Joseph the dream. God gave Joseph this this sense, this vision, that he would someday stand out among men and that there would be a situation where others would would actually bow before him. He had no idea what that was. He had no idea what that would look like or be. And he had no idea the difficult road it would take to get there. But he had the dream. He had the vision. Don't let anything rob you of that vision. Don't let anything take that dream away from you. That is God. That is God at work planting something in you. And if you look in the book of Joel, it says, in the last days, I believe that's our days, folks, there are going to be people dreaming dreams and seeing visions, and the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on people. God is going to do some amazing things. And a lot of you who are young here today, some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, okay, I came because this is my class, and Christina told me I had to, and she's going to check for attendance, and i got to write a dumb paper, and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. That is absolutely the truth. Then maybe that's your heart. Maybe that's your attitude. I don't know. But that's probably the truth for some of you. Let me tell you something. You're here by divine appointment. Oh, yeah. Christina told you to come. She's not that big. (laughs) Sorry, sweetie. There's a God that is sovereign. 
and he orders your steps. And you're here today to hear a word from the Lord, all right? Don't discount that God can't speak to you just because you're on assignment. As a matter of fact, because you're on assignment, God will speak to you and he will do things because this is your preparatory time. This is when God is at work in your heart to change you and to shape you and to mold you into the man or woman of God that you are going to become. And so these visions and dreams are vital in this time. And you need to take hold of them and say, okay, God, what is it that I must do in order to fulfill your purpose in the earth for my life? And don't discount any aspect of that. And my goal is that you are able to do that without so much adversity and with much greater joy. Because you're able to be obedient. We are out of time. We're past out of time. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like streamline here, and I'm going to give you three things that I want you to take away from here, okay? And so you go fast with me, all right? Just, just stay with me. Number one is this. God's plans, God's dreams and visions, God's plans are to motivate and inspire you, not to cause you to exalt yourself above others. All right? Please understand that. God's giving you some good things. Use them right. Understand them, embrace them, but use them right. Check your heart continually. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world. Don't do this the world's way. Regardless of what career path you're choosing, don't do it by the standard of the world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern, you may know and understand and get it, all right? What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? He goes on in verse 3 to say, For by the grace given to me, Paul says, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Your function in this world will be different than anyone else's because you are unique in that respect. But let me tell you something. God needs you, but he needs everybody else too. And there's not one of us that needs to be a shining star or a hot dog. We're a team. We're God's people. You're not, you're not on a path by yourself. That isn't the way it works in the kingdom of God. It isn't about you being the shining star. And guys or gals, if you're wanting to be some, some big spiritual person doing big spiritual things, get off that horse, all right? Because that horse is going to die quicker than you want it to. You may be riding it when it dies. And that's called a fall, all right? And that's what we're seeing out there in the world today is men and women who tried to go the world's way to do the things of God. And they have suffered immensely because of that. And I'm telling you today that God has put something inside of your heart. Grab a hold of that. Run with it. Run as hard and as fast as you can. But understand that you are only a part of a bigger picture. We are a team together. We're the body of Christ. Let's love each other. Let's help each other. Let's care about each other. Let's hold on to each other. Let's be unified in what God wants to do. And let's humble ourselves and say, hey, you know what? I can do a lot of things, but I need other people who can do the things I can't do. Because together we'll do more than any one of us can do alone. The world will tell you to climb the ladder, chase your dreams and run over everybody else, but don't you do it that way. Scripture says prefer others over yourself. Number two, God's favor is an opportunity to prove humility, not to push privilege. All right, hear me. God's favor is an opportunity to prove humility, not push privilege. Philippians chapter 2 is the perfect 
place to be at when we say things like that, all right? If there, it says there, you know, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, uh, complete my joy, Paul says, all right? Get, help me here, complete my joy by being like-minded, being of the same mind here, having the same love, all right? In other words... Keep this unity. Be, be together here, okay? Hold on to this thing together. And, and don't do things from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also the interests of others. God is giving you a career path, not for you but for the kingdom. God is giving you the opportunity to invest yourself in the kingdom of God and do something significant for God in such a way that this earth flourishes in these latter days and God's people have an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the church is doing it. And we're doing it right and we're doing it good. having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I don't have to prove to anybody that I'm, I got the Spirit of God in me. I don't, I don't need to, to put myself out there that way. Rather, I need to be like Jesus. And this says he emptied himself. He equal to God in heaven, but came down, emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death to a cross. That was ultimately the work of Jesus Christ, was the cross of Calvary. That was the greatest work that has ever been done on this earth. And that work cost him everything. Everything. And he gave that long before the cross. He died in the garden when he said, nevertheless, your will be done. He crucified his will. Folks, if you want to be a true success in this earth today for the kingdom of God, crucify your will. Before you ever get on that road to ambition, before you ever get on that success track, before you ever move into that place of experiencing the, 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 the uh, affirmation, the pat on the back of co-workers and bosses and all those kinds of things, get your heart right. Empty yourself out. Die to yourself so that Jesus can live through you. Last point, we'll be done here. Um, the desire for influence. The desire for influence? Yes, if you've got a vision or you've got a dream, you better have some desire for influence. You better, you better understand you're going to do something with that. Because if you don't, it's just a fantasy. And you'll live holding a fantasy the rest of your life and do absolutely nothing. But the desire for influence should be motivated by obedience. In all those adversities, Joseph never left the vision, the, the dream. He held on to this. And he was able in the end to say, oh yeah, you meant it for evil, but God has brought good. 
and I hold nothing against you. Because he understood that he was destined for this time. And he could remember back to that initial dream and say, there it is, right there. Let me take you to Galatians chapter 5 very quickly here. I wish those, uh, excuse me, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. The desire for influence should be motivated by obedience and to do good, not personal comfort and ease. Your job is not to make your life wonderful. That may be a lovely byproduct, and I hope it is. But God is giving you a career and a dream and a vision and success and all these kinds of things in order that you can do good with it. We're called as God's people to do good, to do good works. And so whatever success God gives you in any situation, the purpose of that is not so you feel good about yourself or you can exalt yourself or you can go get a new car or a bigger house or a better this or a better that. Those things are perks. And simply because you live in America, you get more perks than most people. So we need to humble ourselves and thank God for the place we're in and the opportunities we have and say, you know what, God, I've got such great opportunity and so much has been given to me. I should have a greater responsibility here in doing good. And so I give myself to you. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it's all about. If you receive the gift, use it to serve one another. Be a good steward of God's variety of graces. All right? If you speak, speak as one with, as, as, has an oracle from God. If you serve, you serve. That's, that's where we want to be. Let's wrap it up right here. In 1 Samuel, it says when, when David was called out to be anointed as king, it says that the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him? And he goes on, he says, fill your horn with oil and go. Go and, 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 and I'm going to send you to the house of Jesse and you call out the, the man of God that's going to lead Israel. Samuel's like, how can I go? Saul, I hear about it and he'll, he'll destroy me, he'll kill me. And he says, I'll show you what to do and I'll show you the anointed one. I, God, will show you the anointed one. God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a time and a place for you. And Saul goes and the brother of David comes out. And they look at him and he's looking tall and he's muscular and he's got it all going on. He's got swagger. He's felt. And he ain't the one. And then here's little David. When when Eliab came, it says they thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before us. And then God speaks to Samuel the prophet and says, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That's what it is, folks. It's a hard issue. That's where you've got to be. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. That is the heart of the matter. That is the gospel. And that, that price paid, that gift, 
is all about your heart. And that's what God is looking at. Where are you today? Where are you in your decision making? Where are you in your dream or your vision? What are you doing to get there? What is the price you are paying? At the end of the day, what matters is what is in your heart and the motive of that. Because God has paid the price for you. That's settled. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to perform to get anywhere. God has already settled who you are and he's placed the value on you. You don't have to get there. It's done. It is finished. That is the work of the cross. And that Jesus is resurrected in power so that you may live and have life. Not only is that power available, it has been dispensed into the earth. And the Holy Spirit is here to come upon you and to fill you with its richness and its power and use you for his glory. And that's what God wants. God is calling you today to be that kind of man and that kind of woman, regardless of what type of career path you choose. He has already chosen you. Amen? Amen.